This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, Get Book listeners. A quick note from yours truly, Jen, before you get to hear this week's Hansel interview. Due to wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey-ness, this was planned to air after the author's publication date, but it's actually airing slightly before. So you'll hear it before the book is officially out. But the nice part is, is that the book comes out on September 6th, which is just a handful of days after this comes out. So it's not, you don't have too long to wait. Apologies for the confusion and please enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Hand Cell, where interesting people tell us about books that they think that we should read. I'm Jen Northington. I'm coming to you from Book Riot. And today's guest is Carolyn Huynh. Welcome, Carolyn. Hi, Jen. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, So you are, you're from California. You studied journalism and human-centered design, which I might need to hear more about in a minute. Um, (laughs) And you have been inspired by your family's history as Vietnamese refugees, as well as your stories. Um, So this is your first novel, The Fortunes of Jaded Women, is your very first novel. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it, you know, I'm almost 33. Like my publishing journey has been really rough. And I'm just so grateful to be here at this moment to celebrate this with you. You're my first podcast. Yay! (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay, wait. So for a second, tell me what human centered design is. Oh my God. I, you know, it's funny. Like I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I don't even know either. Sometimes. <laughs> um, it was like my graduate degree and I like, I was trying to make it as a writer post undergrad and I just needed to start making money. Mm-hmm. And so I began to look up like, you know, coding boot camps and like user experience design. And so I just sort of like had to pivot in my late twenties, mid twenties. And I just pivoted into tech. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like a product designer during the day. All right. That is, <laughs> yeah. I think, a very relatable journey, first of all. Writing is a really yeah. tough business and it does not historically pay very well unless you're, you know, Stephen King or something. So, um, yes. yeah, I, I, uh, it makes total sense to me. Um, it does sound interesting. Tech, tech can be, you know, fun in its own way. And also, you know, getting a paycheck is nice too, right? So. <laughs> yes, yes. It's nice to have some stability for once. <laughs> yeah, well, good, good, good. Well, and I'm glad that, you know, it left you with enough time to write, clearly. It did, yeah. Fortunes took me... Oh my gosh, this is probably like the third book I've attempted to write Mm. in my, so I wrote Fortunes in my late 20s and it took me like five years to write and like two years of publication. So it's been a long time coming. All right. Well, you, you made it. I did. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) You are. You're here. All right. Well, let's take a quick sponsor break and then we're going to get into some book talk. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. 
So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone. But, you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now, he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so I got so excited talking to you about uh, your bio and your book that I forgot to (laughs) ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners, like as a reader. So what's your sort of reading vibe? Oh, gosh, I use I'm kind of just consume like everything. Um, I started off as a young child getting really into like fan fiction mm. and I even like wrote fan fiction as a child so I really hope that stuff never surfaces in <laughs> like the light of day again I think I wrote like Harry po- I think I wrote like Harry Potter like queer fan fiction amazing or something yeah I think I like shipped like Sirius and James <laughs> yeah like it was like something like I don't remember what I wrote back then um but yeah and so that sort of like you know, obviously I went deep into like YA for a long time, like fantasy. Um, and but now like, you know, my my reading bookshelf is just so my bookshelf is just like so broad. Um, but I really love reading works from like women of color, like BIPOC authors. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially love like sort of like that sweet spot between like literary and commercial. Mm-hmm. And I just um, I'm a sucker for book club fiction books. Uh, I love, I just started getting into romance. Like, I think like, um, I, I didn't understand romance for a long time, but I mm. realized I was reading it anyways. Um, <laughs> I really got into, um, like 
Helen Huang's books. Yes. Like, is what like, yes. really introduced me into it. And I think because I saw myself and my family in them that I began to understand like the power of romance books. And so I would also love some great recommendations. I just got into Ken- and like Emily Henry books. And so, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like a big sucker for any sort of like stories about women, motherhood, you know, those are like complicated relationships, uh, which I believe is like a deep well that you can like, you know, it's never ending pool of stories. I mean, I hope so, because I agree with you. (laughs) There's there's so much to tell out there and there's so many great authors telling those stories. So, yeah, well, this is, you know, I I feel like I understand your book a little bit better now, actually, having read it and then having heard what you love to read it all. It all makes sense to me. Um, But your picks, your the books you picked are super interesting because I think, you know, there's like a dark edge to a lot of these that I'm excited to hear you talk about. So uh, let's get into your first pick, which is a book riot favorite also, The Vegetarian by Han Kang. Tell me about your experience with that book. Oh my gosh. Like I read it oh my, maybe like seven years ago or something. Um, I really cannot remember, but it was like one of the first books that really turned me into that sort of like, kind of like that darker side, but like a little bit lighter. And it reminded me so much, I was reading through it and it was one of the first books that really reminded me of my mother. Mm. Um, I'm obviously not Korean, I'm Vietnamese, but uh, my mother actually went vegetarian like 20 years ago and it was a big deal at the time Mm. for my family. And so I love that sort of like control of women and how we eat. And like how the way that she portrayed it is like the way you eat is like for the family Mm. and how you go against that tide, even though it's like, and I remember like my mom went turned vegetarian for like Buddhist reasons and like, and like Buddhism, I mean, I, I hope I'm getting this correctly is how she explains to me, Mm -hmm. but you know, and Buddhism, like you're supposed to make like one big sacrifice um, in return for something else. And mm. so she she gave up meat, like eating meat for like her two daughters, like me and my sister. Oh. So we could have like a good life. And so like reading this book and like I remember a time like my dad was like kind of upset that she gave up meat because, you know, Vietnamese people love me, right? We love eating pork and all that mm. stuff. And so it was like good I, I remember thinking of time like what's the big deal? Right. Right. And like reading this book, I'm like, what's the big deal? But there's such a dark undertone to it that I just like, it was the first time I really saw my mother um, in that way. Isn't it amazing how books can do that, right? Can like completely reframe an experience that you've had, your your own self? Yes, yes. And it's so like, it's has such great commentary about the control of women too, and like mm-hmm. a family and like their, and like their place in the family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just really hot. I still think about that book yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I always think about that book. Yeah, it's I remember. I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about it a lot on Book Riot and there have been some really interesting conversations around the translation of that book as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lot, lots of good stuff there. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, do you feel like it's influenced you at all uh, in your writing? It has. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you read fortunes. It's it's a bit on the letter side. With like mm-hmm. some, so I touch on like some things. Like obviously, I can't. I I don't really like books about the Vietnam War, but I you kind of have to touch on it like a little bit, sure, and like set the tone a bit. But I really wanted to 
write something just a bit more joyful. Yeah. For like like Vietnamese stories, which I feel is quite rare to read in fiction. And so like it did influence me that way. And like, I just uh, almost like these books are all again, like quite like, again, that dark undertone, but I really wanted to like pivot slightly away from it, even though I love reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like am like consumed by it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, we need all of those stories, right? We need the dark ones. We need the lighter ones. We need the joy. Mm -hmm. We need the catharsis, right? We need all Mm -hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's let's talk about your next pick then, uh, which is a new one for me. So I'm excited to hear you pitch it. It's The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. Yes, I love this book. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I caveat, she did work for me for my book. OK, um, but, you know, like I had already read this book before she blurbed. Um, it's just one of those things, again, you know, I'm such an avid reader that I really have been looking for books that really mimic my lived experience. Mm-hmm. And it's been so far few in between that when I read this book, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like she is basically, she's lived a life I've, like, I'm living now. Like, um, you know, I lived in Seattle for 10 years before I moved back to LA. The opening chapter is, you know, it's about the daughter doing a road trip from Seattle back to LA um, just to see her mother. It's just like, and then there's so many like parallels, like um, her and her mother in the story, Margo and Mina, um, there's like a English or a language barrier between the two of them. Mm. And, you know, there's a language barrier between me and my father. We're like, my Vietnamese is not perfect. Uh, my mom has like a graduate degree in English and my father never really finished high school. Mm. Uh, and so his English is like not that great. And so whenever we talk, whenever I talk to my dad, there's like a huge gap, but like not a lot of people would understand that. Right. And so I think it was just so touching for me. And I, I remember I cried reading this book because she has a hard time speaking to her mother. Mm. And, you know, it's just like shows another kind of like quiet side of like the immigrant or like the first generation experience, like another hurdle that we have to kind of go through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think this has just occurred to me right now as I'm listening to you talk, I feel like there are so many great complicated mother daughter or like parent child books out there right now like I feel like I see more and more of them every day and I mean you've written one (laughs) as well Mm -hmm. but I I think it's so interesting it feels like it's something that is easier to find now than it I like I don't remember reading those growing up or even in my 20s really yes I actually was just talking about this to somebody and I think it's because like we all kind of grew up and so now, like, the art that we're writing and producing is the stuff that we've always wanted to read as, you know, like, when you were younger in high school or whatever in college. And so I feel like there's, like, a mass surge. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's not, like, enough yet, but I right. think there's, like, a surge now, yeah, of, like, people coming out of the woodwork and, like, t- like telling, like, these type of stories, which are, like, so important to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially, as you've said, for something like, you know, the first generation experience where there's not just, you know, generational differences, but there's cultural ones, there's environmental ones, there's linguistic ones, right? Yes. Yeah. It's just so like, there's so there's the well goes so deep, you know, there's so many. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it really, really does. It really does. 
Um, I think I'm I'm gonna lead us right in then to talking about uh, your book because it just feels so correct. So you, so Fortunes of Jaded Women is very much about these incredibly complicated um, parent, child, mother, daughter, in particular relationships, and you have written like you wrote in your bio that you love messy women. So tell tell me about that. Let's start there. <laughs> I think, oh, I love, yeah, I really like women. And then you can see actually in most of the books that I've selected, it's always like about like a messy woman yeah. or some form or the other. And I really like stories about women who like go against the grain. Mm. And it's funny because like, even if you go against the grain, like you're perceived as messy, mm. even though like you're really just making, like if a man were to do that stuff, you wouldn't be called messy. Right. Right. And so I just think it's like really interesting that term messy woman. And so I really want to like give back that narrative to these women. And I feel like a lot of like, you know, like stories about Asian women in like mm-hmm. mainstream media is like they're quite like polished. Yeah. I, yeah, I just have always known it's like they're always like quite like, you know, like um, the high powered executives or very wealthy women. And I really want to just highlight, um, just kind of like normal Vietnamese women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself, yeah. And I also like pulled a lot of experience from my 20s. And I was mm-hmm. like, I wasn't just messy. I was like a slob. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, I was like eating from like the pig trough or whatever you call it. Like, <laughs> I was like real messy. And so I really just wanted to like highlight that those that decade for me. Yeah. And for like what I saw with like my friends, like, just like that's um and you know vietnamese american culture is very what's like it's people like we like drag each other a lot Mm. you know we like roast each other a lot and it's quite like it's just quite chaotic and so (laughs) i really just want to like highlight that sort of like um jovial experience even though it can come across as like uh kind of mean to people have said like some of the dogs can be like quite cutting to each other, but like they're just yeah. showing a different way of like love. Yeah. Right. Right. It's sort of like you're exploding that model minority, you know, uh, image is, is what occurs to me hearing you talk about this. Yeah. And like, um, I know it's like a ton of characters. It's like, oh my God. It's like, <laughs> I, even I don't even, it's like, I think right. like over 14, 14 like women characters. Yeah. But I really, you know, that was really intentional on my part where, you know, I really wanted to display like we're not like a monolith. Like there's yes. so many different yeah. there's so many different aspects to everybody. And like, you know, there's a Vietnamese girl who's like a Korea boo, obsessed with Korea. Right. There's right. like Oh wait, 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 okay, wait, wait. We're oh, getting ahead oh, of ourselves. Oh, I know no. I, it was very natural, but I like realized I want to read rewind for a second here. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna I'm, we're gonna take a sponsor break and then we're gonna come back and talk about this some more. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? 
what's more a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surrounds St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. So let's rewind for a second because I realized we just like jumped right in. And um, what would be like, what's the elevator pitch for Fortunes of Jaded Women? Because then I do want to talk about all of these different characters that you have but first let's do the elevator pitch okay um oh my gosh I've always been so bad at like the elevator pitch but it's really just about a story about uh an estranged Vietnamese family living in Orange County and they come together because of an infamous Vietnamese psychic's prediction um then she gives she gives three predictions for the year um there's gonna be one pregnancy one marriage and one death in the entire family so all the women have to come together for better or for worse that's great. That's a really good elevator pitch for oh. <laughs> what I feel like is a very sprawling narrative, right? So it's like you said, you have like 14 POV characters um, from different generations. They're in different locations. You know, they all have different relationships with each other. And like you were saying, right, they have very different lived experiences. So like how do you have like a board with all of them on it? Like how on earth did you keep track of all of these characters and their very particular personalities you know I'm like I said like you know in my 20s I was like so sloppy I'm still quite sloppy in my linear like my, my writing process like I'm not linear okay. and I kind of just like pantsed it I know wow. it's a horrible thing yeah I know it's a horrible thing to say but like I really didn't really was it I didn't really keep track it, it all just like lived in my head that's amazing my editor, my editor alone at the time, like, 
she is the one that really helped like hone it in. You know, she's out there on the, what do you call it? The rodeo, the lasso. <laughs> What's that? You know, like she's like herding all the sheep right. all the together. Yeah. Like I just use like four different metaphors all at once, but yeah, <laughs> she, she, she really like helped. Like, I mean, she's a great editor and she really helped hone it in. Um, but yeah, still very impressive though, to be able to, cause I mean, they all felt very, they did feel very distinct to me, right? Like they all clearly, like you said, yeah, one is just obsessed with K-dramas and, you know, create culture. And then, you know, other one is a stoner, like one is a high powered executive, (laughs) like they're all trying to find themselves, but in very different ways. And I really loved that. I really loved, it's like a kaleidoscopic sort of view of what it's like to be, you know, a Vietnamese woman. It's as, as you said, it's not just one thing. Yes. And I know it's going to make a really weird comparison, but I really almost wanted like a Game of Thrones kind of like oh. thing where like they're all, there's so many characters, but they, they all don't interact with one another until right. the very end. Yeah. And so I just really want something very similar to that where like you're rooting for them to come together somehow, some way. That's fascinating. That actually sort of leads me to another question I had for you, which is, you know, there's some elements of like, shall we call it superstition or like folklore yes. or magic even in here? Um, did you have like, did you know exactly how that balance was going to work? Or did you have to try to find the balance between like, you know, contemporary and historical actual life versus these? Well, I guess I shouldn't say actual because this is very real for some people. It is. Yeah. And like, you know, like my obviously my parents are extraordinarily Vietnamese, like very <laughs> Vietnamese. And like growing up, I remember when I like someone called my mom like a witch mm. because she had like long black hair. You know what I mean? Just very like witch-like. Yeah. And so I began to like see my mom in like that kind of light. And she's always very like spouting like strange like platitudes at me, you know, <laughs> like that was very like witch-like. And I'm mm. like, what are you even saying? And so um that's sort of like where I got that idea from but also like Vietnamese people are very superstitious in general just so superstitious um and the um uh, again the story is about a famous psychic in Hawaii who makes three predictions for this family and that is based on the real life psychic in Hawaii okay where she's super famous within the Vietnamese community where like you know mothers fly out to see this woman um in like, I won't say which island, but she's very easily Googleable. <laughs> okay. And I hope she doesn't like come after me. <laughs> but I did based off of her and, you know, like that sort of like, I even saw her myself like in 2018, 2017. Okay. So, wow. you know, that, yeah. that sort of like that lore that, you know, people really hype up in the Vietnamese community and like that larger than life figure is all part of like that contemporary life mixed with like superstition right right yeah I mean it's true and it's you know I mean you know witchy stuff is extremely of the moment I guess right now and has (laughs) been for a hot minute um but obviously there's there's long cultural traditions here um and yeah who who among us is to say what is what is real and what is not right that's um (laughs) that's I really do believe that's down to each individual person yeah, I agree. And I really wanted to, like, yeah, I, just, I that's a great way of putting it. I really just wanted to, like, blur that line between reality yeah. and, like, yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love how it evolves over the course of the book. Like it starts off and you have one very specific idea about what's happening to these women. Um, and and then by the end of the book, it's very, it shifts hugely. And I, I love that you did that as well without giving any spoilers. But I love that shift. So, well, since we don't want to spoil anything for folks who haven't read the book yet, you'll just have to wait for interviews and future podcasts um, to find out all of those things. So let's let's talk about your last pick, which is also new to me, Elsewhere by Alexis Shapkin. Hopefully I said that correctly. Oh, my gosh. I I consume this book in a day. It's a mm. brand new. I think it's I think it's her second book and it's uh quite different than her uh debut book it's a more like speculative lit but this book i i it's a brand new pick because i just read it like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. i cannot stop i cannot stop thinking about this book um it's just about a story about a small town somewhere up in the mountains and uh once you have a child uh mothers will randomly disappear up into the clouds and they don't know it's very it's been compared to like Shirley Jackson a little bit which I totally agree with um and there's almost like a weird like uh vampiric element to it with like this like blood pricking ritual that women do when they have when they have sex with their husbands Mm. I don't know it's just so strange and so bizarre but the writing is so like it's so watery it's like I'm floating in water Ooh. as I read her work and I just got so sucked into the story. I really recommend this book. It's an easy read too. I think it's only like less, maybe 300 pages or two. Oh, my, oh no, it's two, around 220. I'm, I'm looking at it right now on my desk. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a um, short read, but it'll like engross you. That's I'm I'm really struck by the description of it as watery, like you're floating. I've never thought about it before, but I absolutely have books in my own life that I could use and will now use that description <laughs> for. That's so like you're just like carried along. Yeah, you're carried along, and like sometimes the tide is so strong that you kind of like get you know closer to shore, but then you get pulled back out. It's quite, it's quite, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm telling you, I finished this in a day. It's very, very good. It's so good. You have to read it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. It's going on my list. It's going on my list. This is the problem with this podcast concept, because, you know, every time I talk to somebody who's passionate about books, like, of course, I'm like, well, now I have to read all of your picks. Like if I haven't read them already, I have to read them now. I'm going to have enough books until like, you know, the year 5000. So um, <laughs> it's fine, though. It's fine. Yeah. And this, you know, the, again, like we've got a like a dark sort of undertone about motherhood here. Yes. So there's definitely we definitely have a theme. Yes, there's a big theme. And I'm not even a mother. So I don't know why I'm like so into <laughs> like these books. But um, yeah, I just really I just enjoy it so much. Actually, it's actually a big trend now, I feel. Absolutely. Motherhood. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're really struggling with what it means to be a parent in, you know, pandemic times and times of political upheaval in you know, all of these great uncertainties. And um, also, you know, families are don't all look the same and and relationships are really complicated. And I and I, I like we were saying, you know, that hasn't really been explored that much. Um, prior Mm -hmm. to what feels like to me, like maybe the past five, 10 years in, you know, popular fiction. So 
I think it's great. I'm I'm super on board with um with all of these explorations. You know, I think it's there's a lot to talk about. As you said, the well, you know, it's very deep. <laughs> yes. I yeah, I just give me give me all of the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for coming and recommending books uh, to me and to our listeners. Um, so where where can people, where else can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, you can find me on like Twitter. So just at carolynkhuen.com and same, it's the same for my Instagram too and okay. my website. So just carolynkhuen.com. Awesome. This has been so fun. Yay. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. People will be able to find you. Um, yeah. And again, thank you again for, for coming in and, and sharing your, your favorite books with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being my first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's our pleasure. And of course, thank you all for listening. As usual, pretty, pretty, please send us your feedback at getbooked@bookriot.com. If you would like more book recommendations, you can always get those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. And as usual, also, please, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, wherever. Um, we'll take it all and you can find me on twitter and tumblr as jen irl j-e-n-n-i-r-l or on instagram as i am jen irl and we will talk to you next time